0: Hey guys, this is Rick Godwin, pastor of Summit Church here in San Antonio. Thanks for joining us today. You know, we're excited to have you on our podcast. Our goal is to inspire you and to challenge you and help everyone realize their full potential in Christ. Now enjoy the message. Okay, buckle up. Some messages are shouting messages. Some messages are feel-good messages. Some messages are sweet. And some messages are painful and uncomfortable. So get ready. We're in a series I called Wisdom from Proverbs. Proverbs is written by the wisest man on earth, Solomon. And in that book, there are 31 chapters. That's one a day for the average month would have 31 days. And with a cup of coffee, cup of tea, you can read one chapter in a minute and a half. And I guarantee you, it will affect every area of your life. Marriage, business, relationships, children, health, everything. And it's amazing if you pick up one idea out of one chapter, one thought, and keep that, you can add to your repertoire of wisdom and good success. So it's really achievable, achievable, it's easy to do, what irks me, are a lot of the business motivational speakers who are not even Christians will use Proverbs. They just won't, they won't say it's the Bible. They'll use Proverbs and make a fortune. And the Christians sit around, suck their thumb, and wonder why, you know, the pixie fairy doesn't rain money on me. And, and I, I, there are just some people you can't help, okay? God bless them, we just pray for them. But there's just some people, the learning curve is too hard. They just can't get it. So we're going to pick up another one today, and I love going through Proverbs, and I've enjoyed it. This one's a little tough, really tough for me. Proverbs 24, verse 17 and 18. Do not gloat when your enemy falls, when they stumble. Do not let your heart rejoice, or the Lord will see it and disapprove and turn his wrath away from them. So, Percy, if Tennessee goes down, I mean, if, if LSU goes down, don't want to see any dancing and shouting for joy over there, or the Lord will let them win again, you know, how that goes. What a proverb. Huh? What a really a proverb. I mean, the central part of this proverb is about unforgiveness. That affects all of us, Christian, non-Christian, all of us. So as believers, we've been forgiven, and we've been forgiven for so much, but now we're going to hold our enemy for ransom. And when we see or hear of bad things happening to him, we're happy to see it. Now, that's human nature, fallen human nature, right? Don't you like to see the, the bad guy get it? Of course you do. That's our old fallen flesh. But Scripture says God will see that Disapprove and turn his wrath away from your adversary. So, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die, and it won't happen. All it does is ruin you. We become what we cannot forgive. Don't forget that. You become what you cannot forgive. I've seen bitterness, unforgiveness, separate families. Separate business partners, separate uh, children from parents, separate countries, separate nations. So a couple of points here. Here we go. Number one, don't gloat when your enemy falls or stumbles. So you and I have to make a conscious decision as a believer not to laugh or gloat or rejoice in great joy when we see our enemy go down. Don't rejoice, don't celebrate, don't take advantage, don't laugh about it. When David heard that King Saul, who was trying to kill him for God's sake, had been killed by an Amalekite who had come now to David and gleefully told David about doing it, David said, why were you not afraid to lift your hand against the Lord's anointed? This is not going to be a good day for the Amalekite. I mean, you'd think David would rejoice because now he's going to be king finally. He's anointed to be king, but Saul is there and David is willing to wait on God's promotion. But David avenged Saul and mourned for him. Think about it. He he made Israel mourn and put on sackcloth and ashes. This is the guy trying to kill him. Now, the Amalekite thought he's doing old David a favor and maybe get a reward from David, but David took the Amalekite's life, knowing God had made Saul king, and David refused to promote himself himself and refused to touch him, and he had many opportunities to take him down. He would let God handle it. So David didn't rejoice, he wept. See, if you won't judge your enemy, God will judge your enemy. Listen to what he says in Romans 12. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord, I will repay. So you've got to be able to say, and it's you need God's power and grace to do it, God, you judge it. If you judge it, God will not judge it. See, Psalm 75. I've got to read a lot of Scripture here, but this is church. Psalm 75, verse 6. For promotion comes neither from the east nor from the west nor from the south, but God is the judge. He puts one down, he exalts another. So God is the judge. He sets one down, he promotes another. So when your enemy falls, when you see their calamity, Our response should be thanksgiving to God for his mercy towards us and for his intervention on our behalf and our deliverance. But when we rejoice because the adversary is gone, this is not talking to God, thanking him for vindicating me or delivering me, but we laugh and mock and spread word about our adversary and we take advantage of it and we gloat about it. God makes this remarkable statement. He says... Well, look at your heart full of pride and arrogance and revenge. He said, I'm going to turn my wrath away from your adversary. So if you fall into jubilant gloating as opposed to thanking God for his justice and intervention, the Lord may stop dealing with the pride and sin of your enemy and turn and deal with you. And I can tell you, I don't want God having to deal with me. You can deal with me, but I don't want God to deal with me, right? He can do it a whole lot better than you. God even says, if you humble yourself, God will exalt you. If you exalt yourself, God will humble you. You do not want that. He'll cut you lower than a whale's belly. He'll cut you so low you have to high jump to get on a curb. You do not want God humbling you. So he says, you do it. You humble yourself. And verse 18 shows that verse 17 is far from optional and that your glee and joy might be more punishable than the guilt of your enemy. That's pretty challenging to me. So our first thought, don't gloat when you see your enemy fall or stumble. Second, you decide what your heart rejoices over. Don't let your heart rejoice, he said. So we have control over what our heart rejoices over. In 1 Samuel, chapter 16, verse 7, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The prophet Samuel is looking to anoint a new king of Israel. He looked at Jesse's sons, and they looked like they ought to be on the front page of Charisma magazine. Christianity Today. They were good looking. They were December playmate for Christians, you know. Oh, look, it's brother so-and-so and and -and so-and-so. Yeah, it goes on all the time. They're good looking. And, And Samuel thought, surely the Lord's anointed is in front of me. Man, this looks good. So even God's prophet was seduced by looking at the outward appearance of these guys. God told Samuel not to consider their outward appearance. He looks at the heart and he rejected every one of them. He chose David. In Psalms 139, verse 23, David says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts, and see if there's any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. He's searching the heart. Watch that heart. Jeremiah 17, verse 10. I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct, according to what their deeds deserve. Then Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is alive and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So God says, don't let your heart rejoice when your enemy stumbles or falls. Jesus said in Matthew 5, verse 43, you've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. I used to go to that church when I was young. But I tell you, he says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your heavenly father. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Here's another one, Proverbs sixteen five. The Lord detests all the proud of heart. Be sure of this, they will not go unpunished. The Lord detests anyone with pride in their heart. Be sure of this, they will not go unpunished. Now, when I deal with this unforgiveness, God is trying repeatedly to get you to listen, to say, do you get it? If you'll let this thing go, I'll do the work. I'll do the vengeance. Vengeance is mine. I will repay in my time and my way. Let me tell you something. At this age, I've lived to see this happen in people's lives, and God can wait years at the most uh, critical moment in time of somebody's life in the most embarrassing moment and drop the hammer. You can't do that. When you get revenge, God says, let me do it my way. And our problem is wanting to think you won't do it good enough. I mean, I really want you to burn them, Lord. Yeah. Now, I'm an alpha male, and there are many in this room, too. And I got to tell you, it takes God's grace almighty for me to obey this. It, It really does. I mean, you have no idea. I can go from nice to on fire in about a nanosecond like that. If, if my flesh is unrestrained, and so can you, okay? Listen to Peter. This is old foot-in-the-mouth Peter, but now he's older and wiser. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. This is what God has called you to do, and he will grant you his blessing or reward. God says, I'm going to do something really good for you that'll really aggravate your enemy if you'll do it my way. Now we think about this guy, Peter, when the soldiers came to arrest Jesus and he saw the soldiers as an enemy to Jesus. So he took out his sword and went ninja on them. And he cut off the ear of the servant to the high priest, but he wasn't aiming at the ear. He was aiming at the guy's head. He missed. And now Peter's matured. He's got some mileage under him. He's grown up a little. And now he writes, the guy with the sword, don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. This is what God has called us to do. And he will grant you his blessing. What did Jesus say from the cross? I'll get you when I come back. No, he did not. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And they were spitting at him and insulting him and crucifying him. And he set the example on the cross. They don't have a clue what they're doing. Forgive them. Romans 12, verse 14 through 19. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of lower position. Do not be conceited. Forgiveness is not, I trust you again. Forgiveness doesn't even mean I have to associate with you again. Forgiveness is what we do for us, not the other person. Forgiveness gets you out of prison, removes the ground the enemy can use to come into your life and wreck havoc. This is what you do for you. Jesus did it. Peter did it. We can do it, and you must do it. It's not a feeling or an emotion. I don't know early if you'll ever have that. It's a choice. It's an act of the will. I will do it. God said to do it. Feeling that come later, but not right now. Anybody witness with me on that one? But not right now. Yeah. So if somebody has betrayed you, stolen from you, whatever, yeah, I forgive you, but I don't trust you, and I won't do another deal with you, and I won't put you in charge of something because you violated the trust, but I forgive you. Okay, big deal. So understand what he's saying. Not be a patsy. See, don't let your heart rejoice when you see your enemy fall or stumble. God says, I will avenge them. Leave it to me. Proverbs 25, verse 21 and 22. If your enemy is hunger, give him food to eat. If he's thirsty, give him water to drink. In doing this, you will heat burning coals on his head and the Lord will reward you. So first thought, don't rejoice over your enemy's fall. Second, You decide what your heart will rejoice over. You decide. Third, your enemies will fall. Your enemies will fall. Psalms 91, verse verse 1 through 10. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare, And from the deadly pestilence, he will cover you with his feathers. And under his wings, you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you you will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say the Lord is my refuge and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. Man, I love that verse. A thousand fall at my side, 10,000 at my right side, but it won't come near me. Now, God's telling you, if you'll do what he's asking you to do, In this matter of an offense or betrayal or desertion or a financial impropriety or theft, whatever it may have been, God says, these are things I will do for you to protect you. Now, in 1 Corinthians 10, old Paul says, let him who stands take heed lest he fall. God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. So God is saying he'll deal with your enemies if you won't. Just say, God, you judge this matter. I'm not going to touch it. And God will deal with your enemies. Whatever a man sows, that and only that shall he reap. What goes around comes around. You can bet on it. It's just not as quick usually as we want it. But God's working on them and God's working on you. Sometimes in our anger, we forget how much God has forgiven us. And our sin of self-righteousness and pride then becomes worse than the sin my enemy has committed against me. And God sees that and turns his wrath away from them. So your enemies will fall, but it's all to do with your heart. If you do this the right way, your enemy will come down. And I've lived to see that so many times in all the years we've been here and in past life. Live to see that come true. Romans chapter 2, verse 1 through 5. You therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else. For at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself. Because you who pass judgment do the same things. Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things... Do you think you will escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt for the riches of His kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when His righteous judgment will be revealed. Can I say again? Don't rejoice when you see your enemy fall. Don't let your heart rejoice. God will deal with it in his time, in his way, if we trust him. Point number four, God is always primarily interested in my response, your response, and he sees it. He sees my response, he sees your response. Uh, Couple of, uh, just to let you know, I don't have a charm to life. I had a Christian brother take advantage of me for $250,000 many years ago in Europe. I never got my money. I, I, I could not legally even get it back being in Europe, so there was no righteous way to reacquire my assets, and I either had to burn with hate or I had to forgive, and I chose to forgive. I never mentioned it again, never sent a letter, never spoke about it again, I turned that over to God. Let me tell you, I had a nice talk with God about it too. And I can tell you, in less than a year, God restored all my losses and then some. God is faithful to do it. I chose to forgive a brother. I would never do a deal with that brother. I would never want to even have company with that brother, but I forgave him. It was an act of my will, not an emotion. I had a brother signed contracts for my books to be distributed in Europe and I didn't even know it and I lost $35,000 in the deal. I had an employee, Randy knows who I'm talking about, who was taking about $1,000 a month out of my ministry account when I used to travel around Europe and we pastors would put funds into it to cover our expenses, to have pastor get-togethers in different countries and cities and to pay a guest speaker, etc. But when we discovered it, I immediately terminated him and paid him until he found a job. I never looked back. I totally forgave him in my presence. He never told his wife the truth, and she probably hates my guts to this day because she doesn't know the truth. And if you listen to one side, you will never know the truth. The first to plead his case seems just until another comes and examines him. Don't you ever fall for that. You'll think the husband's a serial killer if you counsel the wife. And then after you counsel the husband, you'll think she's Jezebel incarnate. It's just, you. be careful, be careful. Uh, Business people can have an employee steal from them. Uh, My friend Pharaoh over here is an an owner of a business. Uh, Could have some of the waitresses or people that he trusts in handling the money to put some money in their pocket and have to dismiss them. And in that case, if there's no legal recourse to recover, and in most cases you can't, then you have to forgive and move on. I will not let your action against me hinder my life, shorten my life, hurt my destiny, or in any way control my future. I forgive you. I do it with an act of my will, not feeling. See, God is primarily interested in your response and my response. Proverbs 17, verse 13. This is a nasty one. He who rewards good with evil, evil will never depart from his house. You ought to memorize that one. If you do evil to somebody who's done good to you, God says, Evil will not depart from your house. You just open the door to the enemy. Well, what's, the, what's the, well, you need to repent. Say, I'm sorry. Apologize. Take responsibility. The Bible puts it this way in 2 Chronicles chapter 6, 16, sorry, 16, verse 9. 2 Chronicles 16, verse 9. It says, the eyes of the Lord run throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. You have acted foolishly. You've done a foolish thing. And from now on, you will be at war. So God sees everything. You don't have to help him out. He sees everything. Proverbs 15, verse 3. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. Are you getting the message? Well, you don't know what my husband... You don't know what... Yep, God says, I know. I know very well. Job 34, verse 21. His eyes are on the ways of man. He sees their every step. Jeremiah 16 verse 17, my eyes are on all their ways. They are not hidden from me, nor is their iniquity concealed from my eyes. See, you can get on social media. You can make statements. You can hide your own guilt or whatever, but you can't hide from God. You can can fool other people. You can look so nice, but God sees the heart and you haven't fooled him at all. (coughs) So God is kind of yelling at us. I see everything. God sees what your enemy does, and if you'll say, God, you judge it, God says, I will take care of it. Get rid of it. Don't play with it. Don't rehearse it. Let it go. And when you're tempted to be angry about it, pray it again. Choose. To, I choose to forgive so and so. I release them from bitterness and unforgiveness, which is damaging me, not them. Job chapter 34, verse 21. His eyes are on the ways of man. He sees all their steps. There is no gloom or deep darkness where an evildoer can hide. You can run, but you can't hide. God's got you. See, I have to trust God to judge the matter. Point five, when we celebrate or gloat over our enemies' fall, God turns his wrath away from them. Proverbs 25, verse 21. I read it earlier. If your enemy's hungry, give him food to eat. If he's thirsty, give him water to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head and the Lord will reward you. So when we bless those who curse us, it's not condoning what they did. It doesn't mean we have to trust them. It doesn't mean we don't have boundaries and wisdom, but it does mean we actually leave vengeance getting even to God. We leave it there knowing he sees it And if we deal with it, he turns his wrath away from them. In James 2, verse 13, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. If you want to reap mercy, you got to sow it. And you'll have many occasions to sow it in relationships, in marriage, in business, in life. You will. Don't be people quick to judge. God is the judge. Maybe there's more to this than you know. There is always more to it than you know. My grandfather used to say, Ricky, there's always the story, and then there's the real story. All right, Job 21, verse 29 and 30. Have you never questioned those who travel? Have you paid no regard to their testimony, that the wicked are reserved to the day of calamity, that they are led forth to the day of wrath? So Job is declaring that God is just, and God is the judge, and God will be the one to take vengeance if you won't. And last, when God sees us rejoice at the fall of our enemy and he turns away his wrath from them, the reason is he disapproves of how, as a believer, I'm handling it. He disapproves of my arrogance because sometimes our sin of rejoicing over our enemy's collapse is worse then there's sin against us. Man, he's not dealing with him, he's dealing with us. And he wants my heart to change because out of the heart are the boundaries of life. That's the thing we need to protect and fix. God disapproves of unforgiveness, of legalism, of pride, of arrogance. See, it wasn't right what your enemy did. But make sure that two wrongs won't make it right. Remember, God resists the proud but he gives grace to the humble. So we can all at certain times feel we've been wronged in marriage, in business, in church, and in relationships. So we've got to guard our heart because out of the heart are the boundaries of my life. Proverbs 4, verse 23. I love that verse, out of the heart. Every issue, racism, uh, uh, assault, hatred, division, murder, all that comes out of the heart. God says all comes right out of the heart. So it's the heart that has to be fixed. And by the way, passing a law won't fix my heart. Won't even change my heart. Only God can change the heart. So Summit family, watch your heart so we don't rejoice when we see our enemy stumble or fall because God will see it, not approve of it, and turn his wrath away. Wow. Hey, thanks again for joining us today. If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe and share it with a friend. Follow me by visiting the links in the description. I'm praying today that God richly blesses you this entire week.